is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Just recently on Facebook, I was looking at a post someone had made, and it said this. It said, what happens one minute after a believer dies? What happens one minute after a believer dies? Now, let me tell you something. When it comes, about, comes up to the state of the dead, there's a lot of confusion about this subject. A lot of people just don't know what happens when you die. They don't understand what the Bible says about the state of the dead. And there are illusions about heaven and heavenly retirement and immediately being with the Lord. So I, what I want to do in this program, I want to look at what mainstream churchianity says versus what's really in the Bible. Okay, so this first uh, thing that says what happens when you uh, die is immediately angels usher your soul to heaven. I guess we ride on the wings of an angel to heaven. Did you hear about the book that was written, I think it was 2010, The Boy Who Went to Heaven Never Went? Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was actually, he, he, he said he made the whole thing up. He wrote this book, sold millions of people, deceived millions of people, and eventually he said, no, I, 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 it, it was a lie. I made the whole thing up. And, and in the interview, of course, they pulled the book off the shelf after he admitted that. But in the interview, he said people should read their Bibles. They should study their Bibles for themselves. And I have found that most people will not do that. They'll take a few scriptures here and there that vaguely seems to say maybe something about heaven and being carried away by the angels. And, and, but they will not study what their Bibles actually say. So this is the first verse that, that they use, mainstream Christianity right here, is Luke 16 and verse 22. Now this is a parable. I'm going to have a lot to say about this. This is a parable, Lazarus and the rich man. And it says this, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, okay, how do you get from that verse the concept of immediately being carried by the angels in the presence of God. Now, let me give you a rule of Bible study that you may, no one's ever told you about. Here it is. You never use a parable to establish a major doctrine. You, in fact, you don't use a parable. A parable is a riddle. It's an allegory. It's something that Jesus used, a story that, that would, you know, sort of takes you out and then brings you back to the focus. You never use a parable, okay, Bible study, rule number one, you never use a parable to establish doctrine. And for people to take a parable and to establish the elaborate, immediately being present with the Lord and immediately going to heaven when you die is absolutely ridiculous. Now, the meaning of Lazarus and the rich man, if you want to know the meaning of that, what Jesus was trying to tell his people, tell you, his congregation that was listening to him, what, what Jesus was trying to tell us 
It's found in Luke 16 and verse 31. Here's the meaning of the parable. Jesus explains it so there'll be no misunderstanding. And he said to him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither would they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. In other words, this guy was, was saying, look, uh, if, if someone was, came back from the dead and spoke to my family member, spoke to my friends, and, 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 and if they realized, oh man, this man came back to life and witnessed to me and told me about Jesus and told me about the love of God, if one rose from the dead and did that, then everyone would believe. And Jesus says, not so. Jesus said, no, if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, now get this, Jesus didn't say if they will not hear me, my words, he didn't say that. What does that tell you about the importance of the Old Testament, about Moses, the law of Moses that was written down, the Ten Commandments, and the prophets? You know, this, this is an amazing verse. And, you know, Jesus comes along, he says, look, and he points back to the Old Testament, and he says, if they won't hear that, they're truly lost. They won't hear anything at all. It's not going to do you a bit of good. You, you can't persuade them, is what he's saying. So what this concept of immediately being ushered in uh, by angels into the presence of God when you die, people, what people do, they take scriptures out of context, and this is a prime example of it, to establish doctrine. And like I said, you never take a parable to establish doctrine. Let, let me illustrate what I'm talking about. Here's another parable that Jesus gave, Luke 8 and verse 5. He said, a sower went out to sow his seed and sowed some, and some fell by the wayside and was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. You know, anybody knows better than plant seed on a rock, do they not? And some fell among thorns, and, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it out. Now, and now surely every good farmer knows you don't plant seeds in a, in a, among briars or whatever. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. So if I'm a farmer, okay, and I take this parable and I interpret it literally, every time I sow a seed, I'm going to sow some by the wayside where it's going to get trodden down and stomped around, and the fowls of the air are going to come eat it up. I'm going to sow some seeds upon the rock uh, and, and where it's going to wither away because it has no moisture. I'm going to sow some seeds among thorns and thistles, and, and I'm going to eventually get around, if I'm a good farmer, I'm going to get, eventually get around to sowing seeds on a good ground because this is what the parable says to do, right? Again, Bible study rule number one, you never use a parable to establish a, a major doctrine like heavenly retirement, going to heaven. And in, you, don't, you don't use a parable to establish any doctrine. Okay, that's, that's Bible study rule number one. Okay, what happens one minute after a believer dies? What mainstream churchianity says versus what the Bible actually says. Well, let's take a look at what the Bible says, okay? Let's blow the dust off of the Bible. Let's, let's take it with us for the first time to church. Let's read it when we're not in church. Let's study it. Let's do cross-references. Let's, let's get our concordance out and study the meanings of certain words. And let's find out what the Bible actually says. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, 
why are they dead? Why, why is this referred to as the dead in Christ? What does that mean? I mean, is there anybody that, that doesn't know what that means? Is there anybody that would say, well, I, I, I think that means they're, that they're, they're alive in heaven. How, do you get, how does your brain work? Does it work is the better question. You know, now what does this mean, the dead in Christ? It means that like Rover, when your dog Rover died, he was dead all over. That's what that means. Okay, Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 5 says, For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. And this doesn't mean there's not going to be a resurrection. But it just says that, that until the resurrection, the dead don't know anything. Now, why do dead people not know anything? Okay, we're talking first grade, second grade education, five-year-old maybe could answer this question, why don't dead people know anything? Uh, 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 because they're dead. Yes, you got it, you got it. I remember as a little boy, I, uh, I found an ant that had de died, and I buried it in a match matchbox. I put the ant in the matchbox, and I buried it. And, I, and I, I've always understood the concept of death. You know, I had a duck that died, and I loved that duck. Duck was named Downey. And, uh, you know, it got eaten up by some wild animal or something. A fox or something ate it and, oh, it just killed me. But I'm, I've always understood what death is. Always. So the idea that angels upon death, angels usher your soul to heaven. Well, let's take a look at what Jesus said. John 3 and verse 13. And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now, wait a minute. You mean to tell me, my Savior, in the, the, the writings in red, that Jesus says no man has ascended up to heaven. And here we have churches by the bukus who are teaching that when you die, immediately angels usher your soul to heaven. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? Okay, one minute after a believer dies, what happens? Here's the next one, mainstream churchianity. You, you immediately enter God's presence. presence. Okay, that's what they say. You immediately enter God's presence. And this is the verse they use, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and rather, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Now, I know this is a, a, a huge uh, jump that people jump to, but this verse, if you'll read it carefully, this verse does not say when you die, you are immediately with the Lord. It, it doesn't say that. It just says we are confident, I say, and willing, rather, I would rather be absent from this body and present with the Lord. Well, listen, I would rather be absent from this body and present with the Lord. But what I understand is the truth of what the Bible says. There's a resurrection in between that process. Okay? So when are we going to be absent from the body? Well, let's take a look at what's really in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50. This is the resurrection chapter. You can't, under, you can't misunderstand the resurrection chapter, can you? Well, yeah, there are millions of Christians that don't get it. Okay? All right. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. 
Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that's die. We're not all going to die, but we shall be changed. In other words, some people are going to live up to the return of Christ. And yeah, their physical body is still going to have to die, but it's going to be instant. You know, it's going to be from flesh to spirit. So anyway, in a moment, in the twinkling, twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Yes, there's a great trump. The last seventh trump is going to sound, and dead people are going to come back to life. Okay? The dead shall be raised. What does that mean? Dead shall be raised. Okay. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal, notice that, this mortal, what we are now, subject to death, when you die, you're, you're like your dog Rover, you're dead all over. This mortal must put on immortality. Well, when do we do that? When are we given immortality? What does your Bible say? You're not willing to go there, are you? You know, you're just stuck in your way. You know, you can lead a horse to the watering trough, but you can't make him drink. When are we going to put on immortality? What does your Bible say? Will you believe your Bible? So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal, what we are now, subject to death, shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So when do we shed this physical body? When are we absent this physical body? When does this mortal put on immortality? When is death swallowed up in victory? You're not willing to go there, are you? If the answer is at the resurrection. There's a resurrection between you and being in the presence of God. Put that in your pipe and smoke it because it's the absolute truth. Now let me go to this verse and just illustrate something. People ask about this verse all the time. Okay, Luke 23 and verse 43. And Jesus said to him, this is the thief on the cross, Verily I say unto you, today shall you be with me in, the par in paradise. Now, Understand what I'm about to say here. The punctuation was added later. In the original Greek and Hebrew, the punctuation was added later. The comma is in the wrong place with this verse. Let's read it correctly. Luke 23 and verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you today. In other words, I'm saying to this on my authority. You know, often Jesus would say, Verily, verily. You know, I'm saying this on my authority. This is the absolute truth. Verily I say unto you today, right now, at this moment, you're going to be with me in paradise. Now, now understand something. Let's take a look at this verse. Now I, want you, I, want to, I want to explain something. Okay, Matthew 12 and verse 39. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So you see, if, if Jesus went with the thief on the cross immediately, immediately to paradise? Well, then he lied to the man because he said, Jesus said, I'm going to be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. Okay. So, I mean, you don't believe Jesus lies, do you? I mean, is that the Savior that you worship, that you believe that he lied to the man? Because Jesus didn't go immediately to paradise. He was three days and three nights in earth. My point is, the comma at that, uh, in that verse is in the wrong place. Jesus was saying, Verily I say unto you today, right now, you're going to be with me in paradise. Ultimately. Eventually. After the resurrection. Okay. 
All right. One minute after a believer dies, what happens? All right. Mainstream churchianity says you are aware to some degree of activities and events on the earth. Okay. This is, this is, okay. One minute after you die, okay, there's been, okay, the concept is there's been people in heaven for 6,000 years and they are aware to some degree of activity and events on the earth. Now, my question is this why would you want to be? Why would you want to be? How, what kind of heaven is that? where you get to watch all the wars, the murders, the rape, the mayhem, and, 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 and your children getting into trouble and getting mugged and raped and, and, and maybe suicide. I don't know. I, I'm supposed to believe that this brings me joy in heaven to watch all this, to be aware of all this. Well, this is where they get, to get this concept from. Revelation 6 and verse 9. Let's take a look at it, where they get this concept. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, do you not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So they take this word soul, you know, the souls of them that were slain for the word of God as if they're in heaven. Listen, the word soul just means any, it's nephesh, it means any air-breathing creature referred to a human or a beast. There's nothing about that word that implies immortal. There, the words immortal soul together is nowhere found in your Bible. Do you know why that's true? Because you don't have an immortal soul. That's the reason. That, 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 that's the reason. Okay. That's the reason. You know, heaven, really the idea of heaven has, it has a lot of faults. I don't know if you ever thought about it. Now, now, one fault is this. Someone's always missing. There's not a lot of difference between heaven and down here because someone's always missing. I mean, you get, you get to heaven and, and, you know, maybe your parents are in heaven, but the children are all down here on earth. There's someone, and of course, the people up in heaven are saying, I wish they would hurry up and kick the bucket and get up here with me. But there's always someone missing, whether you're on earth or whether you're in heaven. There's always someone missing. There's always a loved one missing. It's a perpetual thing that just goes on and on and on. You know, we're wanting them to hurry up and get up here. There's always someone missing. Another thing, you know, has, heaven has a lot of faults. You know, I, I one time heard about a woman who was married to a minister. The minister passed away. He was a good man. He passed away. She got remarried, which is totally acceptable. Well, she had a dysfunctional sexual relationship with her new husband because when they would try to make love, she would imagine her former husband up in heaven watching the marriage bed. Watching. Now, if you think you know, when you believe a lie and the idea that there are people up in heaven watching everything going on down here on, on earth is a lie, okay? When you believe a lie, that causes a lot of torment in your life. It's not until you see the truth that you can be set free from that torment of believing a lie. Uh, the concept of immediately going to heaven has many faults, like in heaven, I can watch everything that's going on, you know, like a clicker on a TV. It's like a soap opera, you know, I can watch it all, all the nasty stuff, all of the adultery, all of it. I mean, I can watch it, pornography, I can watch it all going on. Yeah. 
So what does the Bible say? What does the Bible actually teach? Well, the Bible teaches this, that after the resurrection, after the kingdom of God is established on this earth, and after the second resurrection, it tells us this, Revelation 21 and verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. You know, this is a beautiful scripture, an absolutely beautiful scripture. Okay, one minute after a believer dies, next thing that mainstream Christianity says is you will recognize and communicate with believer, believers who preceded you to heaven. And this is found in Luke 9, verse 28. And it came to pass that on the eighth day after these saying, he took Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which was Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, you've got to understand something. This, this is accounted for in another gospel in Matthew 17 and verse 9, which says this. And as they came down from the mountain... After this event, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. So the disciples saw a vision of the future, not something that was actually happening in their time. Now, you know what a vision or a dream is. I mean, you know it's not literally happened. This, Jesus says this was a vision, okay? Now, we can see also this in the phrase, appeared in glory. Now, the Apostle Paul writes that at death, the Christian body is sown in dishonor and it is raised in glory. When Christ's followers are resurrected at Christ's return to this earth, they will be raised to glory. And not a moment before. At the resurrection, they are raised to glory. Also, Christ's resurrection to his glorified form made him the firstborn from the dead. Okay, since Christ is the firstborn from the dead, it is impossible that Moses and Elijah were resurrected to glory before Christ. Let me repeat that. Since Christ is the firstborn from the dead, it is impossible that Moses and Elijah were resurrected to glory before Christ. So this shows that the transfiguration was only a vision of things to come. Okay, one minute after a believer dies, what happens? Well, you die. You're in the grave, asleep, oblivious to the passage of time. Then comes the resurrection at Christ's return. Only after the resurrection will you be with the Lord. Now, I have to admit, though, one minute after a believer dies, it will seem like you are immediately with the Lord because you are oblivious to the passage of time. When the clock of life, you know, when you're alive, the clock, clock of life is ticking. When you die, it stops. At the resurrection, it starts back where it left off. So, you know, there are people, I think of the Apostle Paul, who's been dead for nearly 2,000 years. You know, he is going to be totally oblivious to the passage of time. It's going to seem like his last breath was maybe in Rome in the arena being, uh, who knows, God forbid, being eaten by wild beasts or something like that. But that's going to be his last memory of death. The next moment, it's going to seem like, even though 2,000 years have passed by, it's going to seem like, it's going to be like he's immediately in the resurrection, being present in the Lord. So let's consider what the Bible says about death and the state of the dead. Psalms 13 and verse 3, Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. What does it mean to sleep the sleep of death? 
Well, you know exactly what it means. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that is die, but we shall all be changed. To sleep, it means to put to sleep, to decease. It means to be dead is what the word means. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13. But, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those that are dead, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Another translation says of this same verse, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Okay, what does this tell you? Let me tell you what this tells you. It tells you that all those who have died are not in heaven in the presence of God. That's what that verse tells you right there. Because those who have died who are asleep are waiting for the resurrection from the dead. Now I want to conclude with the heroes of faith. You know, the Hebrews 11 and verse 40 goes through a bunch of heroes of faith and that served God. And, and it says this concerning those people. God having provided some better things for us, that they, without us, should not be made perfect. What does that mean? It means that God has a great plan of a future resurrection where the dead in Christ are asleep in the grave and they're going to be resurrected at the same time. Now, why is this important to understand? It's important to understand because of the example I gave you early, earlier of the woman who had a dysfunctional marriage because she believed her former husband was watching uh, she had gotten remarried and her former husband was up in heaven watching the marriage bed. And she had a dysfunctional relationship with her husband, her new husband. You know, like I said, when you believe a lie, it sets us up for bondage. And it's not until you are free you can get rid of the torment that your mind is going through. That's why it's important. So understand perfection, life from the dead immortality, being in the presence of God comes after the resurrection of the dead, not before. I'm David Freeman, and I've just told you what's really in your Bible. The Immortal Soul. Millions believe that you have an immortal soul that either goes to heaven or hell when you die. Yet the words immortal soul are nowhere to be found in your Bible. Think for a moment. If you already have an immortal soul, then why do you need God? You already have something that lives forever inside of you. Why would you need a relationship with God? The concept and teaching of the immortality of the soul does not come from the Bible. Philosophers like Plato and Socrates came up with the concept as they speculated about the state of the dead. What does the Bible really say about immortality? What do the dead know? What does the Bible really say about the state of the dead? Do the dead know anything? Are they aware of the passage of time? Do disembodied souls roam heaven's corridors? Do spirits of dead people roam the earth? Can you talk to the dead? Is someone listening on the other side? 
What does the Bible really say about the state of the dead? The Resurrection The only promise Jesus Christ ever gave of living again was by a resurrection from the dead. The teaching of the resurrection of the dead fills the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. There is no greater promise for mankind than the dead being resurrected. However, the teaching of going to heaven when you die has made the greatest promise in the Bible unnecessary. If the dead go immediately to heaven when they die, then why do you need a resurrection? What does the Bible really say about the resurrection? Order these three pieces of literature by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.